Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 66 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. My name is Dean Millard and it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy and enjoying beautiful food, especially that's what we're talking about this week. But before we do anything, uh, I do have to find out what's your groove? in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kinda grabs you by the boo-boo, don't it? Pipe in a grape, long in a blitz. This is great. This is the bee's knees. Can you dig it? So when I say, what's your groove, uh, if you are new to the show, uh, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're consuming some cannabis, then you're grooving with us because I am uh, going to punch up the old supernova. That's what I call the volcano hybrid. I uh, use the click and collect method at uh, Nova Cannabis. That's why I call it the supernova and it's a super machine. Uh, so anyway, um, I start off the show with uh, something that I'm going with. And this week, it's Pure Sun Farms Hybrid. Uh, and you know what? I live in St. Albert. There's an Uncle Sam store here. An ounce of Pure Sun Farms, whatever it is, hybrid, sativa, indica. It's less than $100. It's a really good deal. Uh, so I picked this up uh a little while ago, quite a while ago, and uh, I really, I think the quality is pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty happy with it, especially when you consider the price. That is affordable cannabis. So if you are, maybe you've got a joint, maybe you've got some CBD, maybe you're eating something, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Whatever it is, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101 You can get us on Instagram and Facebook, Cannabis 101 Podcast, and you can email me if you would like to stay anonymous, Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. So I got a bag full of Pure Sun Farms hybrid. I'm going to hit that right now. So happy that Jesse uh, Lavoie gave me the tip of letting a few, uh, letting a little bit of air out before you put your bag on. Much, much cloudier these days. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Indeed, it's the cloudiest I've ever smoked uh, that, or vaped, I should say. That's for sure. Okay, here is what's coming down the hash pipe on this episode. Daniel Huber is going to join me. He is the manager of the Green Rock Cannabis Store in St. Albert. Uh, we had Carrie Semka on the show recently from Green Rock Cannabis, and in our discussions, find out that, well, Daniel is a Red Seal chef. So he's going to join us on this episode, and we're going to dive into cooking, uh, common mistakes, uh, pro tips, 
specific foods that are great for cooking. Then one of the best things that I've heard when it comes to dosing, you will find out in this interview. The absolute perfect way to dose if you wanted to make cupcakes, muffins, cookies, we will have that tip for you. Uh, also, I'd like to just say thanks to Atlas Growers. Uh, we featured them recently on What's That Strain, and I had a chance to visit them uh, at their facility the other day, and we are looking forward to uh, to uh, bringing Jim Hall on. Man, that's going to be such an honor uh, if I get a chance to uh, chat with him. So um, I'm going to tell you all about that uh, later on uh, when hopefully I get to talk to Jim, but just wanted to say a big thanks. Uh, it is such a an amazing, amazing thing to see, and I, I hope someday uh, tours of facilities become more regular, uh, especially as can tourism hopefully picks up. Uh, on the show, David Wiley as well, of course, from the OZ on This Week in Cannabis News. Filtered joints, and we're not talking about just the cardboard or even uh, some of the uh, the corn husk filters, which are awesome. These are actual filtered joints. Uh, so we'll discuss uh, what they may be like. Also some growth uh, for some companies in Okanagan uh, when it comes to cannabis and COVID relief for uh, cannabis businesses down south in the United States. Chris Ionson, our educator of Nova Cannabis, Jasper Av, he's the manager of that location, and he is our educator on what's that strain, Chocolope from Whistler Cannabis. It is delicious. It's got some really, really great taste to it. And Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. on the business of cannabis. We are focusing a lot on education in this episode today. Our cannabis question is about cannabis paraphernalia. And I want to remind you in a little bit about the Weed Weekly and our giveaway every week. But let's get going with the show. It's prize time. Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe in a grape, bong in a blint. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. So the question today is, what company, in your opinion, has the best cannabis paraphernalia uh, that you have seen in stores or anywhere else? Uh, maybe there's some other places that you've seen it, but most of be would probably be in the retail stores. Uh, for me, I love San Rafael. Uh, I think some of the TVs that they have, uh, those cardboard box TVs look pretty cool. I think the records are the absolute best. Uh, a friend of mine was able to snag one for me. I'm so grateful to have one it looks so cool they have neon signs as well um i i, just, I think san raf uh, has uh, some of the coolest stuff there is lots of really cool things uh, from other people but they seem to stand out for me but tell me what you think uh, let me know what you think uh, and what company out there has the coolest paraphernalia when you go into a store uh and they have different things um you know what's cool i know edison has some cool things especially with terpenes. Uh, so tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at the Cannabis 101 on Instagram or Facebook or at the Cannabis 101 podcast. And you can email cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. You can remain totally anonymous. Our winner last week of our cannabis question, uh, man, it was a real thoughtful email 
And it was a person who has used and is using cannabis to uh, become sober when it comes to alcohol. Uh, This person admitted uh, to some very scary things that happened to them because of alcohol, and they almost relapsed and turned to cannabis to help them out. And uh, it's been, I think, a year and a half, they said, or almost two years. So, so impressive to hear that story. Our question last week was, uh, what do you use cannabis for when it comes to medicine? So you can stay anonymous and still win. Their name came out of the hat. So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, We'll have a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack out to them very shortly. And you can get your own uh, podcast prize pack just for chiming in on the cannabis question. What company has the best paraphernalia that you've seen out there in stores? As for what pairs well with cannabis, that is anything that you think goes well with cannabis. For me, it's coffee. Uh, I love on uh, Sunday mornings, especially when I'm getting ready for a big day of football or Saturday mornings, or if I have a day off, I'll, uh, I don't drink coffee uh, very often. If I do, I would usually put Bailey's in it. Now I'm putting these very well drops in my coffee, uh, and it's absolutely awesome. Uh, or if it's uh, still nice, which it is here, you can maybe have your morning coffee if you have a day off and a joint. Uh, I love that as well. Wake and bakes if I have nothing uh, big going on that day. So uh, coffee and cannabis seems to go really well for me uh, in the last little while. And as mentioned, I don't usually drink coffee, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of nice. All right, uh, just before we get uh, to our guest, Daniel Huber, I want to tell you about the Weed Weekly. You can get the latest on what's happening with the Cannabis 101 podcast. You just subscribe to the Weed Weekly. Head to www.cannabis101podcast.ca and then sign up. That means you're in the mix for our prize pack every Friday, but it's only for subscribers. Plus, it's an easy way to keep up to date with the Cannabis 101 podcast. So, Head to the Cannabis 101 podcast, hit subscribe, and we'll hit you with the Weed Weekly every Friday. All right, right after we hear the weed song from the artist My Dead Dog, we'll speak with Daniel Huber. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Great to welcome in studio Daniel Huber, the manager of Green Rock Cannabis in St. Albert. Uh, Welcome to uh, Podcast Alley in the studio here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, coming out. We had Carrie on uh, recently to talk a little bit about what's uh, going on at Green Rock Cannabis in St. Albert, but mm. we wanted to ta- have you on to talk a little bit about uh, cooking because that is something that you did a lot of before you joined the cannabis industry. Yeah, I was a professional chef for around 25 years, um, Red Seal, studied at Nate. Um, I ended my career in the industry as a consultant. Uh, settled down, got married, bought a house, and transitioned into cannabis as it was one of the few industries that actually excited me. Um, <clears throat> not just only for the fact that it's being shaped every day, and I figured I kind of fit in that. Um, I like to shake things up, and I'm passionate about things, and I don't really like doing something unless 
um, well, here we are. I'm on a podcast talking about it, right? So right. I love it. So before legalization, while you were cooking, mm-hmm. did you think about cannabis and cooking uh, as something in the future? You know, was it something that, you know, was really around a lot? Because obviously it wasn't legal, but, you know, before that, did you ever think, hey, if this happens, maybe this is something I can jump into and combine the two? Yeah, of course. Um, it was always a matter of making sure you were doing it legally. Sure, yeah. Right? And you know what's funny? One of the interesting things about being in the industry is uh, folks come in and go, oh, you know, like there's always conversations between legacy market and sure. um, the regular market. Um, I did not like the idea that I didn't know what it was cooking with um, or what I was getting um, or what friends what it was were, made from, right? Yeah, what friends were getting. And it's um, like no a, ingredients on that package. Uh, Ziploc uh, is pretty much it. Right. But yeah, but 100%. So I like, obviously, I've been trained to work with what I've been given, no matter what circumstances. I'm, you know, it's like it sometimes it is like what you see on the Food Network. Um, so not having that connection to who makes it, what's in it and what it's about was not something that jazzed me right at the beginning. But when mm-hmm. things started to open up and there was clarity in the industry and then government got behind it and then I personally got into it, um, it was something I jumped on right away because it's again, it's like combining two things you love. Very rarely can you do that. Um, that was one of the instances that I could. Uh, we'll find out uh, when One Hitters comes out uh, in a little bit about your first time uh, with cannabis. But mm-hmm. when... And why did cannabis kind of become a part of your regular life and not just trying it for the first time as, as something that became a little bit more regular? Uh, well, unf- I came into it for unfortunate reasons, which is kind of funny. I have Crohn's, so um, mm. I came through into it through medical means. Um, I'm 41. I never actually touched it until I was about 38. Um, I started with edibles and thankfully someone who saw that there was more efficient ways for me to be able to deal with pain and therapeutic aspects was like, Hey, you know, and I figured that out too. An edible is a nighttime commitment. And especially if you have to work the next morning, depending on what goes on, it's not, it's not the most controllable, um, form of consumption, especially if you're, yeah, especially if you're not, you know, you don't have it hundred percent ironed out how many milligrams you're taking in. So, um, now it's my profession. I landed at Green Rock, um, beginning of the summer, um, and I kind of gravitated towards them because, um, as far as, you know, Carrie, we were talking about earlier, um, they just have their heads in the right spot, about a lot of different things. And, um, they want to actually have a connection with people, not just sell to them, but actually educate them. And especially coming from the medical market, that's super important to me. Um, it's two different worlds. We obviously can't talk about medical and sure. store. Um, but being able to, again, have the conversation, this is where it came from. Um, this is what's in it. This is what you can expect. Um, is something that's super huge to me. And it's every single day is an ability to like open someone's mind to something that um, is now legal mm-hmm. and should have been legal for a long time. So we discussed that, you know, thinking about cooking with cannabis before it was legal. Then when it does happen, uh, you know, it's, it, it's allowed, you can go buy your cannabis from the store. Did you immediately start thinking, okay, I can combine the cooking and the cannabis now legally and, you know, start exploring the cannabis space that way? Uh, Well, hypothetically, I was cooking with it beforehand. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, and it was, uh, it was, yeah, right away. I'm I'm proud to say um, I have, uh, I have the first uh, compliant dinner club in Western Canada and I was doing events uh, from the get-go slightly just after legalization. Um, and it was, I mean, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, I got to start doing events. I was doing pop-ups all the time. So it's like, okay, let's do this. 
got to figure out a way to do it legally. Um, first couple times, it was something as simple as we were not providing the cannabis, but I would go so far as to come up with an itinerary of what the food items were and say, hey, these strains will be amazing for the fact that I'm going to make um, semi-frozen grapes rolled in Sour Patch Kids dust and they're going to pop in your mouth and they're sweet, but they're sour and they're going to be really great if you have like an awesome sativa. So even though we weren't giving away cannabis, we were providing an experience. At least you're you're pairing it. 100%. Right. I treat it like wine. I think it's just as complex, if not more complex. And it's super easy to find ways to get people that are interested in that kind of um, um, dining experience. But just also those people are... You know, the people that like a really nice scotch or a really nice wine or a spirit or a beer are also the people now that are like a really good cannabis with a backstory that you can pair with. It's the same people. I get it. I totally do. So what was the, pardon the pun, what was the appetite for that, you know, immediately? Was it something that is like, wow, this is really great? Was it difficult? Uh, you know, what, what, what's, your, what's your thought process on you know, where we are right now as far as cooking with cannabis and some of the pop-up things is, is that's all we, that's all there is right now, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a tough one. I got I to gotta preface this by saying that it's a tough one because I think we have a lot of people that are very enthusiastic about getting into doing it. Um, but I think as chefs and as uh, cannabis consumers, we have a certain level of stewardship. And with that comes playing by the rules, doing things the right way. And it's a lot of work. Like there's a lot of compliance that you have to have. A hundred percent. And the thing is, um, there is a lot of information out there um, the online and then even chefs that are doing events and stuff like that. And going back to what we said earlier about how complex it is, I wanted to, and I still do approach it in such a way that everything is very transparent and compliant. And when people come to me and go, hey, so what did we just consume on course three? And I can say we consumed this strain and I chose it for this reason. Um, I'm specific about it and I'm very adamant about making sure that there is all the information out there possible because what happens is the more people know, the more people get comfortable with it, the stigma goes away, you're compliant, you're able to give answers to the authorities and then also you just create this atmosphere and where it's not kind of hidden at an Airbnb on a one-off pop-up where you don't know what it is until Mm -hmm. the day of the event. It's something out in the open because I don't think people should feel guilty about it and I think um, everyone has a responsibility to do it properly. So I think we're getting there slowly to answer your question. Um, and there's a lot of people in Canada doing amazing things. And um, this whole headache we've been dealing with the last six months, I guess is a light way to put it, but has um, kind of reprioritized things. So I think after things get back to normal, we're going to see a big boom because people are going to want to get out, socialize, relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is has all the ingredients to do that. What was your first experience of cooking with cannabis like? You know, you're a Red Seal chef, uh, and then what was the first time you added cannabis into the equation? Uh, do you remember kind of well, the, the first few times maybe? like Because, you know, as, as you know, great of a chef as you might have been, if you don't have that experience of adding cannabis, and I don't know, I don't know what, what, how different it adds to it and it, things like that. What was the hundred f- percent yeah. was, it was, I would honestly say without hyperbole, it was harder to learn how to cook with cannabis properly than it was to learn how to cook. Um, how come? Because there's so many other, I mean, it's like, uh, the best way to explain it to people is, um, the difference between cooking and baking. Baking oh, okay. is a science. And there is a science behind it because, and, and you like, I'll use my own personal experience to go to Nate, you can learn how to cook. Um, one of the first things a chefs tell you is, um, real chef doesn't need a recipe. 
And it's true. I believe that wholly. You can go into your pantry and pick about mm. eight things out. Just off intuition yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. And you go, okay, this needs a little tartness. I have lemon zest. I'll use that. This needs a little um, a little more acidity. I'll use a wine. This is needs more richness. I'll add this. When it comes to cannabis, just like baking, you have to follow certain rules, mm. decarbing it, activating it, um, figuring out, you know, even with CBD. CBD has a different um, range and temperature for decarbing than THC does. So... Mm. I decided to learn from people around me that had been hypothetically cooking with it beforehand. Um, and I say the first thing where it dawned on me how amazing cooking with cannabis would be um, is there's this amazing woman named Rhonda who made these um, peanut butter pretzel bites that were peanut butter infused with cannabis squished in between these two delicious pretzels. And when I ate it, it wasn't your typical brownie, but I got high and a it salty tastes, snack yeah exactly a salty cannabis snack who knew <laughs> yeah so it was it made me go okay yeah. so right out of the gates like this doesn't just have to be those cookies super sweets, rich chocolate right? brownies yeah. Yeah. it can be something different and from there i kind of learned uh, dosing uh, how to decarb um learn and then i you know made some phone calls hey do you cook with cannabis how do you do it sure go see meet from people or meet meet with people get consensus is something i'm huge on see what works and what doesn't work and then come back to it and then i just started making literally everything I could possibly think of with cannabis in it. What are some of the common mistakes um, that, that people make when they're trying out for the first time uh, using cannabis in, in whatever it might be for cooking? What are, what are some kind of pitfalls that you see or you hear about quite a bit or things yeah. like that? Uh, not decarbing. So decarbing is activating THC by, um, and I'm not going to say this right because I have a micro microphone in front of me, but decarboxylization. Yeah. Um, which for, just can you explain that just what that is quickly for somebody who is new? Uh, so THC in its raw form is THCA, so it has an uh, acidic um, compound to it. Adding heat, decarving it, removes the acid and converts it to THC. Um, so you, when you smoke a joint, you smoking the joint, the act of smoking it with a fire and starting it up, that does the decarving for That's you. That's right. So if you want to use cannabis in a cooking product, you can't just throw it in there. You have to activate it. Um, and then use it in whatever you're doing. And that's what people forget to do uh, or they do it at the wrong temperature and, you know, burn it off or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, also making sure that the food item is uniform in its THC distribution. So when you're making a, uh, what I like to tell people is if you're making a batch of cupcakes, make them exactly how you're going to make them before you throw them in the oven, dose each one with your specific amount of THC. Don't throw that THC into the cupcake mix, mix it around and hope to God that every single cupcake is going to have the equal amount of THC. Oh, so if you're using butter mm -hmm. in that, do it after. Well, you don't or necessarily even have to use butter. I tell people like there is, now that we have the technology and the retail environment, um, you can go into a store, get an oil, go home, make your cupcakes, put that oil in the cupcakes on the top of and it. And just use that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You skip the line. Um, yeah. That's what I, when, when all the edibles were sold out, I basically took a picture of a chocolate bar, drizzled oil on it and say, here's your edible. If you can't find it in a store, right? 100%. And here's, here's a funny thing. And is being behind the curtain. There's a lot of chefs, uh, like I said, food network, all of the cannabis cooking shows that are online right now. And you see a chef go, they're sauteing something off in a pan and they're flaring it up. And they're like, I'm serving you this, this, and this. Um, when you know that if you're sauteing with oil, you're going to burn off the THC. So what right. happens behind the scenes is they're coming along on those really nice plates, the beautiful plates, and they're just dosing it, dosing it. And, up. and that's yeah. the way to go. And 
And um, not having that control over your dosage leads to problems. You have those. Are, those are the people that say, "I had a brownie once in '74, and I That's never right. want to see cannabis again." I so, woke up in '78. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone metabolizes food differently, and with that sure. in mind, the complexities of like our endocannabinoid systems, as well as everyone being biologically different, we have a lot of people jumping in with doses that they're that aren't conducive to a good time. And it's, this is the main reason why I want to do the program at Green Rock, is to give people a face-to-face forum where they can come in. I can give them the basics on cooking with it, and then they can ask me questions mm-hmm. because the que- I'd say half the questions um, kind of revolve around the misinformation that's out there. Yeah. So well, yeah. I, most of us have been to that party, and and we were at it where somebody brings some homemade brownies, and then there's no more party anymore because it was too and, strong and, or whatever. And so I, dosing is 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 so important. Uh, you know, we always talk with the with my wife or anybody else is like, okay, try this small square. And then next time or Start later lo- yeah, on, you know, whatever it is. So being able to know a little bit about what's in each one is so important. And, yeah. and that's a great thing with the, the oil after that you can do. Uh, what about some tips for uh, beginners? You know, there's some mistakes that people make, but what are some things that you can say, like that one that you just had was, was a great one for dosing. What else do you look at uh, if somebody asks you about some advice? Above all else, if we have a new customer come into the store, I say start, start low and go slow. That's the mantra. Take your time, treat it with respect. It'll infinitely treat you better. Spend time learning basic cooking methods and that'll facilitate you being able to do anything. So if you just know how to make a basic vinaigrette, you mm-hmm. can come in, grab an oil, add that oil to the vinaigrette, and you have a salad for not your family, but your your well, your for your meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you can uh, and and you can have fun and relax because you know what you're working with. And um and this is part of the reason I put whatever we cover in class on the website at right. greenrockcannabis.ca. Is I update the blog every week, so people can go on there and kind of like look and see these basic tips, and they don't have to come. We do the courses first and third Thursdays of each month. Um, but that resource is always there for people to come back to and take a look at it because um, I know this. I have to refresh my cooking skills all the time. Um, so if it's a little easy for me to say, hey, you know, learn how to make a tart and then dose it. But um, I give people the opportunity to um, figure out how to do that. Um, and there is an empowerment in the sense that once you can start to do that, you can come in and instead of buying edibles, you can buy a big bulk purchase bag mm-hmm. and go home and make edibles for months. Yeah. Right. How about, uh, that, uh, you know, maybe that, uh, chef or somebody that has some, some experience in the kitchen. Is there something that, you know, is, is like a level up the tip sort of thing the, ex- maybe the experience that, that, that you use? Uh, I would say first and foremost, do your own research and uh, due to there being in, it's a new industry and we're learning as we go, don't rest your reputation or or your safety on the single work of any cannabis chef. Uh, Trial and error is always a major part of cooking um, and it's a basis in excelling as food and um, keep keeping a detailed journal Mm. so that you can retrace your steps and go, okay, this dosage worked great in this food because being fat soluble, Every little recipe is different. Some things hit you way harder and then others do. And um, being able to figure out flavor profiles also helps. So, you know, like I said, I've made a champagne vinaigrette with a, um, a, a batch of herb that was super, super strong. Like not the type you think that would be used for edibles, but you can mask it and you can work with it. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep essentially like a Bible on hand that you fill out and you can reference that kind of thing. And the best part about that is, is being in the cooking community is it's something you can share with other people. Um, 
Um, but yeah, mainly um, trial and error and make sure you research what you're working with. Because if you just Google cooking with cannabis, yeah, you're getting 84 different responses on the very same, just even the topic of what temperature do you decarb at? That's, that's the thing is, is um, you know, you could be a, a master chef and then you add cannabis in and you might feel like you're back at square one because it, it, it yep. is um, adding difficult. such a it's... different element. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay, so a uh, question. What about already vaped bud? So people <laughs> at uh, listening can't see this, but I've got a giant jar of, I've got the volcano. That's respectable. And I've been, yeah. I've been uh, collecting for a while. What are your what are your thoughts on already vaped bud and and cooking with it so or using it for something? This one might be controversial. So there's two parts to this. A fundamental conversation that occurs in regular cooking is about using spent wine and cooking. So a smart chef, right when I was starting out, said to me, "If it's not good enough or stable enough, or it's too stale, that you don't want to use it to drink it, you shouldn't be cooking with it." Um, I feel sort of the same way about vape bud. In some instances, it could be used to make an infused oil, um, but if you've Learned about terpenes, I would challenge people to say, if you know that there's, you know, the terpenes are possibly still in there and, and there's 48 different strains in there, is that something, considering our previous conversation, that you right. want to try to finesse into a food item? Um, but yeah, you don't really know what you're getting out of this, right? No, that's the thing, right? Is if I have the keef at the bottom of my grinder, I, you know, it's a little bit of an evil Knievel move every night when I dip that in there and I <laughs> try water. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that being said, if you know about CBG, which yes. I would recommend people take a look into, that would be wasteful to not utilize that in some, some ability. So I would say infused oil would be great, but if you're trying to make, cookies out of that those would be yeah I, I, that's the thing like most of that has been used up there's some left with already vaped bud there is some yeah. uh, uh potential left in it so I, I that was my idea was okay i'm not gonna use this as my main ingredient i'm gonna do something sci i'm gonna experiment i'm gonna yeah. you know try to you know i've even had people and i've tried this before just take some of that mix it in with some peanut butter and put it on some toast it doesn't taste very good. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I tried that once. But there, you know, I, I would, if for people out there like I'm doing, I would collect it and, and, and experiment yeah. with it and try it out. At least don't throw it out. Like, no. But don't use it as your, like if, if you're having yeah. a dinner party, don't be using this yeah. as your main ingredient. Yeah, and I mean, as with as a chef, I guess just anybody who really cares about this kind of stuff, um, somebody grew that. It took months. Mm-hmm. It w- went on a long journey to get to your... Might as well get the most of it. 100%. If you can use it without wasting it, use it in whatever way fashion. And don't get me wrong, yes, it doesn't taste great, but... It might work, right? Yeah, no. enough peanut butter. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay, let's talk about... We, we kind of talked about decarbing. So let's talk about some of the ways that you get your cannabis from flour to whatever usable cooking ingredient, you know, whether it's a butter or an oil or something. How do you go about it doing it? Uh, well, a variety of different ways. I used to decarb it old school, so that would be like um, in an oven or using mm-hmm. the jar method if you had to mask the smell, um, as well as infusions with a variety of market products. Um, at Green Rock, we have something called the Levo 2, which is an, um, an infuser. Um, I've done sous vide infusions. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, if I want to be cocky about it. <laughs> um or something like the uh, Angrok uh, Botanical Infuser, which is uh, another version of the Magical Butter machine. Right, right. Um, it's a less expensive option. Uh, it's actually made in Canada too. I just found that out today. Um, so th- all of those methods, I prefer to use a market product just because um, hit everybody with a with a pro tip. 
if you're using um, the old school oven method, um, ovens, we all know, fluctuate. Um, those fluctuations are anywhere from five to 10 degrees. And that could be the difference. Uh, well, also, it adds up to about a 33% loss in THC in the product yeah. if those fluctuations happen. So a lot of these um, markets that are on, uh, sorry, these products that are on market, um, they keep the decarbing at a steady temperature the whole way through right. and you don't have any loss of THC. So at the end of the day, like, let's be honest, if I could do it in the oven, that's great. But if I'm going to save myself the problem mm-hmm. of burning off THC, which oddly enough, after doing a bunch of research and <laughs> trial and error, um, you, you know, you have people who say, well, I ate those cookies and I didn't feel anything. Um, and there's certain, you know, issues with if you burn off the THC when you're making it and then you, you know, using a cookie and the cookies or the temperatures turned up too high in the oven. There's a variety of different factors that lead to people not being able to get the best out of their products. So using products like that um, just makes it easier and saves all of the headache out of it. The Levo um, a machine, I, I have one of those and I'm looking forward to using it. But from what I've read about it when I when I got it is you can decarb it and then make your product all in the same shot, I think. Like, yeah, you there's, know, it's, it's, it's a really good process, all kind of one shot process. Yeah, it's all encompassing. So there's two major modes on it. One is um, the dry decarbing. So you can put in the, um, the, the pod, the decarb pod that comes with it up to about seven or eight grams of product and you just lock it in there, close the top, use the app on your smartphone and you program it to activate that so that you can use that in anything. You can decarb, it's dark decarbed. It's um, the more efficient version of the oven decarb. Right. Um, so you can make uh, you know, whipped cream or whatever you can think of. Um, but then if you go past that, you activate it and then you infuse it. So it has that oil chamber up top. You can put anything in it. And Drop so you can make, um, I may have made a rosemary garlic um, THC infused oil that I drizzled on top of Alfredo pasta or oh my f- goodness. A, a pizza fresh out of the oven, um, all the way to making um, my lovely and beautiful wife a um, topical with uh, shea butter and coconut oil. Um, so, so that's the thing people maybe don't realize is that it's not just for edibles. You can make topicals in that. 100%. Yeah, you can. Oh, there's awesome. there's a, a wide array of the things you can use with it. And um, uh, I'm always for working smarter not harder. So if, if there's something, something I can get to do the grunt work for me, then that's it. And it's, it's super, super um, ergonomic because after the infusion's done, you just slide this jar under the thing and press the button. And it's it like a fountain. hundred percent. And it's super, the best part about it is no particulates. Yeah. You don't have to cheese cloth it out. It is um, almost crystal clear. It's beautiful. I was pleasantly surprised when I got it. Cause um, I've been doing it for so long. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, this makes my stuff look bad. <laughs> uh, what are some of the foods, maybe meals that, that you like to infuse cannabis with? Are there, you know, I, I think there are probably better foods than others to use cannabis with. Is yeah. That true? Uh, yeah. 100%. Um, the more fat, uh, I guess the more fatty yeah. it is. So that's why desserts always used to be the go to for the right. old school crowd is. But like a ribeye steak sounds like it would be really good. Oh, I can even do you better. I can make a compound butter that I make with that's infused with THC and then I just, you know, melt it on top of the steak. Oh, yeah. And it just. Yeah. And that's the thing you have to make considerations. Like I can't, right. you don't want to infuse something that you're going to end up bringing to such a high heat that it burns off the THC. Right. So compound butters all the way to like, um, oils to, like I said, drizzle on a fresh pizza, um, emulsifications like salad dressings, um, whipped cream on fresh fruit, um, popsicles to, I had a, bought a soda stream last year and made myself some like, uh, infused sodas. With the, I have a soda stream. I can't wait to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. Don't don't but don't put the mixture in before you carbonate yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, don't ever carbonate mistake. flavor. Don't oh, ever carbonate no, flavor with no. the soda stream. It's bad. I've literally tried everything. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so Halloween, 
parties on the way. Uh, obviously, we're we're talking adult parties here for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Just yep. in case anybody was wondering, but you know, like. There's going to be some some um, hopefully socially responsible gatherings at Halloween. What are some cool edibles that, you know, maybe you can turn into a Halloween theme or something like that for this year? Uh, so something like a Halloween pumpkin and chocolate cake. So you do like a nice layered cake um, and the infusion comes in the buttercream icing um, or a CBD infused butterbeer. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, um if people tend to think like desserts and yeah. like the old school stuff doing like sodas and you know mixtures and stuff like that works really well infused um multicolor rice krispie squares um they just look great there's nothing really spectacular there but that's like a comfort treat from yeah. your youth mixed with the awesomeness of being an adult in a legalized cannabis uh, it's like being able to trick or treat with cannabis almost because we we got that yeah. trick or treating yeah and I'll and I uh whenever I do these recipes I share them on Green Rocks blog and I'll put be putting that up in October um people can check out the tips and tricks it's uploaded weekly and um last week's blog actually now that i think about it kind of touched on all of the pro tips and the the things to avoid um so these these halloween things like i said most of the time when it's desserts you have carte blanche to figure out a way to infuse it um it's a little trickier with like entrees and anything that requires a high heat to cook sure Anything that you can think of that's no bake, desserts, super rich, doesn't require to be, you know, brought up to a high temperature will work perfectly. And like you said, as long as there's an adult environment, um, it's a perfect way to get that, you know, stuck up coworker. To relax a little bit, but of course, make sure that they they know they, they yeah. know. But also, yeah, yeah. The, also one of the major things I try to impart on people in the classes is storage. So you made it; it's great. That's fine. Don't just leave it in the fridge. That's right. You yeah. have to treat it just as any other regulated uh, substance. Make sure you lock it away. Yeah. Keep it somewhere safe. Um, yeah, don't put it next to the salad dressing. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you may know, thinking about kids and pets and stuff like that. Again, it goes back to the stewardship thing. Like mm-hmm. if we're gonna do this, we essentially. A couple of years ago, just they flipped a switch and we went from yeah. it being illegal to being legal. And this and is one essential. of the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Hey, trust me, that was actually the first thing when COVID hit. I was like, I, that is going to be a yeah. uh, next level galaxy move for the yeah. country to make sure those are, that's essential. Uh, okay. So we talked about some foods that work really well with, uh, with cannabis and, you know, fat soluble foods are obviously uh, in, in the best. What about some specific uh strains uh different cult of, or different uh ones out there with maybe some um unique terpene profiles that bring out the flavor what do you really like to what's do you have a go-to that you love cooking with or is it always different come on man look at me i eat everything it's gonna mean it like you don't look at me and go he's selective uh no this one's a little tough just because we all experience cannabis differently mm. i find a super strong sativa with like a great limonene caryophylline profile makes me crave really rich pasta. So I'll make it and, you know, fresh herbs, fresh cracked black pepper. Um, there's a strain called luminarum. Um, oops. Uh, that has a orange creamsicle flavor with like kind of a fresh cut pine aroma. And it makes me crave orange, um, soda, like old pop shop. Wow. Um, and I seriously could talk about this for hours because it's such a fun thing for me to try. I mean, when I do get high and it's a new strain, I'll make sure the pantry stocked and the fridge is stocked. And I literally just go in there and go, I kind of crave something super tart but creamy. And I'll make myself like a lemon cheesecake. Right. Um, <laughs> and I'm a little more versatile there. And I didn't fully answer your question. But I find myself more gravitating towards um, the terpenes more than the specific 
cultivars. Right. So, um, so is there some specific um, terpene-rich pro- uh, terpenes that you like to specifically find a strain that has a lot of in it for cooking? Would it be caryophylline because of the black pepper? Yeah, it would. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, there's a, a strain called chocolate fondue that has a bonkers amount of caryophylline in That's it, really and it's a very potent. So um, it has that awesome head high, but it's relaxed and whatnot. Um, the funny thing is, is caryophylline being such a such a distinctive terpene, um, once I try anything new, if I can sniff that pep, beautiful peppery smell out, um, I know that that's definitely something I want to cook with. Uh, and I, I don't know if there would be any strains to avoid. Uh, I think, or maybe there would, but maybe there's some, each strain or has a different profile that could help with different meals. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they all offer THC yeah, or CBD, right? right? So with, and just in a different taste and flavor, right? Yeah, so with like rich sweets and chocolate, you can mask almost any flavor. Mm. Um, and if you're on board with herbal flavors, you can make your food into anything that, that'll work. I mean, like that champagne vinaigrette I was talking about. Right. Did that with that absolutely super punchy, punchy in the face, dank herbal flavor, and I made it into a really um, kind of tangy citrus dressing on top of like a fresh arugula and apple uh, salad. Nice. And that worked out fine. And actually at that time, that person was like, um, that I was sharing it with was like, well, this is, I eat, I eat champagne vinaigrettes all the time. What is this? It's so great. It's so pro- pronounced. And I'm like, well, it was what I wanted to get rid of. So, <laughs> so awesome. It works. There and it, it's just, uh, you know, a matter of everyone's, it, it's just like regular cooking. It's a matter of what everyone's, um, first of all, THC tolerances, mm-hmm. and you got to take that into account and then what they're, um, what they're comfortable with as far as dankness is concerned. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you guys do a lot of this with green rock cannabis, yeah. uh, the education. I know it's very important. Um, do you, where can, where can people find out? When do you do these things? How does the education, especially when it comes to the cooking, uh, come into play with green rock cannabis? Uh, so the website, uh, www.greenrockcannabis.ca has all the information and an events page for any of the stores. So the St. Albert location, all the new, the new stores opening. Um, and you can reserve tickets via event, via Eventbrite. They're free. Um, we offer a free introduction to cooking with cannabis course that covers all of the basics of getting started, um, cooking with cannabis at home, how, what to look for, how to activate your bud and thinking outside the box when it comes to what foods to make and enjoy with cannabis. Um, and just the basics on how THC and CBD affect you and how consuming um, cannabis in that form has a different effect on you than every other mm-hmm. form of consumption. Um, we do terpene talks. We do um, sessions on women and cannabis. Um, Ask the Experts series, which I'm really jazzed about, whereas um, we essentially make a connection with an LP. And instead of them just coming in and you know waving and handing out shirts, we actually uh, open the opportunity for consumers to ask ask direct questions to the lp about their production so master growers best best practices Mm -hmm. um and it's important to me because like i said every day i'm learning and every day we have new customers coming in and being able to have that connection where we're not just selling them product and i know that sounds cheesy but it's the god's honest truth those customers are more likely to come back have a better experience have a better time and then spread that message to other people outside the cannabis community that it is now it, it is safe it is reliable it is legal. Um, and the only way to do that is through education. So all of those courses try to tap into something that we've seen when customers come in, they have repeated questions about like, how do I cook with this? Um, why do terpenes even matter? Um, and being able to jazz someone up on any of those things is the best part of my job because you're imparting something that has taken on an absolutely special 
connotation in your life and being able to make that connection. So it's like, you know, this isn't just about getting high. Mm -hmm. it's, there's a, there's a story here. There's a journey. You can learn more. You can maximize everything that you came into the store for, um, by learning these other new avenues and these other aspects of cannabis. All right, let's wrap up with what do you think is going to be the next big thing in cannabis? I mean, we went from, you know, having flour and capsules to now having some amazing products out there. Um, what's the next step? Uh, what, what do you think is going to be the thing that uh, gets people really excited about cannabis? Kind of the way edibles in season two did. This is this one I thought about a lot. I, if you asked me a year ago, I would have said cannabis tourism. Yeah. Um, I was in talks with a couple of companies on the coast about actually getting um, uh, guided cannabis tours um, just because it's becoming its own infrastructure yeah. within Canada. It's its own industry and that's part of Canadian culture now. Um, I still think that might happen, but obviously things have changed. It's going to be slower. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to say that the emerging um, craft cannabis sector. So mm -hmm. these growers um, like Habitat, for example, that's doing using aquaponics yeah. to grow. And if you have time, your listeners have time to read into <laughs> so that. It's, awesome. it's phenomenal. Um, every time I have a really amazing glass of wine, I think about what was going on around where those grapes were grown up. And every time I have a cigar, I have that same conversation. Every time I have produce, same thing in my head. And I know now cannabis has reached that point. So I think what we're going to see is the emergence of all these craft growers who are doing small batch, who um, are messing with the, the genotypes and um, to the point where, you know, like we have customers come in and go, how can it smell like berries? That's how right. can it taste like berries? Yeah. Well, it's because we are blessed with this crew of mad scientists across the country that are now afforded the opportunity legally to experiment with this and work on these yeah. phenomenal cultivars. They and just, it, you know, they, Frankenstein is legal now. Right? Like you are allowed to Frankenstein weed now. And, and, and that, I, I say this all the time. I love that I can come into Green Rock, buy a, a pre-roll, come home, smoke it in uh, my home without somebody calling the cops. Like I love Amen. that. But the bigger picture is the research and the, uh, the, I guess just the experimentation that we're all going to get. First, we're going to get so much good health information that we're going to learn. Yep. And we're going to get better cannabis. Yeah, and uh, my dad, God bless him, he's been a um, uh, home grower for a long time now. And it's went from, I remember growing up where, you know, the conversation used to be, hey, how is, how, how is that weed? And he would, you know, people would just go, good. Yeah, it's good. Now, it gets me high. 100%. Yeah. Now it's where it's from, what it can do, what it tastes, what the like, effects, like, like, it tastes yeah. like, smells like it's evolved into this like amazing um, thing. And I think Canada being where we are positioned in the global community, we're going to become that place. Uh, if not, we already are that the rest of the world looks to, and that's going to be um, even more accentuated by those, um, those smaller um, grow operations that are popping up now. Um, that have that infrastructure to expand that idea of something being absolutely amazing. You can scale it up to, you know, the production that would otherwise be, first of all, legal, but mm -hmm. now um, totally feasible considering what we're working with. Yeah. So that's what excites me the most. Well, the, the, the tourism aspect is going to have to grow and, you know, Canada can just become the legal Amsterdam because everybody yeah. in Canada <laughs> has always talked about Amsterdam. Yeah. We got to go to Amsterdam. Well, people are going to start saying, Hey, we got to go to Canada. You know, let's go check out the Rockies and get I, high. Like, I, th I think that that is that push when we start to incorporate Canada tourism into our country yes. is going to explode. Yeah. And I, people are already coming to the mountains to get high. Let's let's I was just about to you say, you know, let's that. get get the uh, the whole 
country industry in, in on it, right? From tours, you know, BC is going to start doing farm to gate at uh, LPs. Let's get that everywhere. Cannabis tourism, whether it's resorts, tours, whatever, it has to be. That's the thing that I think has to come soon. Uh, you know, it's going to be such a boost to the whole industry. Yeah. And like everybody who is a consumer in Canada is, has been honest with themselves about this for a really long time. And the last two years have shown us that it's been something that's been a part of our culture yeah. already. Yeah. And now, now that we've all kind of the dust has settled and it hasn't broken out into mass chaos. Um, now it's time for everyone to calm down, have fun with it and now make money off something that the, a lot of people before us have went through a lot of BS yeah. for us to get to this point. So we owe it to them to be able to like share that with the world. Yeah. Reefer madness did not happen. So I think we're all okay <laughs> to uh, move on. Yeah. yeah. Neil, this has been a, a great conversation. I hope uh, my listeners were able to glean something off this and get into the kitchen and start doing it and uh, checking out things at Green Rock for more information. And uh, let's continue the conversation about cooking down the road. Thanks for having me. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Make sure you check out One Hitters later in the week featuring Daniel. He's got a couple of really funny stories. Uh, his first time, his first dance with Mary Jane is very interesting. As we get to know his cannabis history, that was son, such a neat conversation to be a part of, just to learn, uh, uh, like that dosing, where you just you know grab some oil, put together your uh, whatever it is, muffin cookies, and then each dose them. You could you could tell somebody exactly how much is in there. That's uh, that's so amazing. Blew my mind. Never even thought about it. Uh, my wife and I were like, wow, that's such a simple thing to do. Uh, by the way, you can find uh, One Hitters later on in the week and full episodes at uh, Cannabis101podcast.ca. You can also subscribe to the Weed Weekly and qualify for our Friday giveaway. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. My good friend David Wiley from The OZ joins us. Check out their website, OkanaganZ.com. And of course, uh, they are on Twitter, at OkanaganZ, and follow David, at Wiley Writer. David, how are things today? Things are going pretty good. We're shifting into the fall weather, and uh, it's been kind of fun around around my place here. I've got a, this pair of wild turkeys that keep on visiting. Mm. And I don't know if they're attracted by the smell of my cannabis smoke or if uh, they just like the orchard around here, but they're, it's it's really cool watching them you know, come a little closer, wander through. Yeah, I, hopefully all kinds of people are out there just enjoying everything that the outdoors has to offer right now because it's amazing outside. Indeed. Those turkeys do know that Thanksgiving is around the corner, right? Like that's tempting fate a little bit, is it not? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Why? What do we have for Thanksgiving? Wild turkey that I found out there. So that would be quite interesting. Um, all right, let's dive into our uh, first story. And uh, this is this is kind of an interesting one. I think you and I actually have talked about this in the past when uh, they actually announced this, but uh, a THC Biomed 
is is preparing, and and I, I believe they've shipped already their first. I don't what what would you call them? Um, would you call them marijuana cigarettes? Uh, uh, I guess the cannabis sticks is is out there. What what do you think the best name is for this? Well, THC Biomed had initially called them cannabis cigarettes, and I'm pretty sure that Health Canada nixed that pretty quick. Um, so they started calling them pure cannabis sticks, and that's since been shortened to cannabis sticks. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think that cannabis cigarettes is the most accurate name because these are the first pre-rolls uh, in Canada that have a filter tip. So uh, this was announced by this Kelowna-based company more than a year ago. They said that they had this uh, automated production machine in their facility that's capable of producing up to 5,000 cannabis cigarettes per minute. And they're going to be filled with uh, 0.6 grams of the different variety of THC biomed uh, cannabis strains. It's been shipped uh, only to Saskatchewan right now. And apparently other provinces are going to follow. Now, when this was first announced in June 2019, THC Biomed's president, CEO John Miller, had called it a better way of smoking cannabis. He said that his prediction was that consumers were going to gravitate towards this type of product. And uh, he said the old way of rolling joints will be something of the past. I'm not sure about that. Uh, there are other pre-rolls on the market, and they're popular in some areas, especially with people who either don't uh, have that you know, knack for rolling uh, or sometimes just want the convenience. Now, Redis from Redican have become one of the more popular products at the cannabis stores out in my neck of the woods, and people tend to talk about them a lot. There, uh, I think that there's 10 of them to a pack, if I'm not mistaken, um, and but they do not have filters like we're talking about here, those biodegradable filters that you'd see on a you know, pack of DeMornay. Um, that's what we're talking about. The other types of pre-rolls have a cardboard tip uh, instead of that. So THC Biomed has also become known for THC Kiss, which is a 10 milligram THC shot. And uh, that's just been released for sale in Ontario. Uh, it's pretty tasty. We'll see if they have some of the same success when it comes to this product. Well, first of all, um, I, I think it's really interesting, but to say that, uh, you know, smoking joints and and that's going to be a, a thing of the past. What you talking about, mister? I just don't agree with that, man. I just, I just, can't, I can't, I can't disagree with that more. I'm not saying that this isn't going to be a, uh, uh, a popular um, product that, that people might uh, check out. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but listen, joints are not going away, unfortunately. The, the question I do have with this, uh, and, and listen, you, you can filter out a lot of harmful stuff with this, but is it also going to filter out you know, terpenes? Is it going to filter out some of the cannabinoids? Um, are you going to be making sure you're getting what you want out of that cannabis or is it going to be filtered out? That's my only question. And I guess I'll have to wait and see and, and try it for myself to, to find out whenever it shows up in Alberta. That's a really great question. And it's one that I've seen a few people musing uh, over since this product has been announced and uh, also launched. So we'll see. i fully agree with you. I cannot see the traditional joints disappearing. Um, they're fun to roll, and they come in all different types of shapes and sizes, 
And that's something I think we should embrace. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I have, I'm, I'm looking in my hand right now, uh, and if we had uh, the video back up, you would see this, but I've got some king palms. They have, I think, the, the corn husk. I've got some uh, herbal goods wraps. And uh, so there are some uh, uh, some out, uh, options out there other than just that cord, cardboard filter. And, and the terpenes do get through, so I w- and and the and the flavor and things. So this will be really interesting. But listen, if it's going to make it uh, healthier and we can still get the taste, uh, definitely I will uh, I will give it a try. Uh, so let's uh, chat now about uh, a real um, well. Pardon the pun because this company is so, is growing so fast. We're talking about Vitalis <laughs> Extraction. Um, man, uh, this is a is a company that you know. I, I think you've kind of been writing about for quite a while, and and now a lot of other people are as well. They're a really cool company. Vitalis manufactures CO two extraction equipment, and on a large scale, these are the types of machines that uh, you'd see in a in a canopy growth facility. Um, you know, they can be two stories tall and uh, quite a bit wide, and they are awesome. This company also, they make their own components for these machines. So they have uh, welders and people with all kinds of diverse specializations and abilities putting these machines together pretty much from scratch. They've dumped a ton of money into the Okanagan economy here. And as far as growth goes, their number three on the Globe and Mail's ranking of Canada's top-growing companies. This is a list of 400 companies. And uh, so Vitalis is growing, supposed to growth of 8,090% over <laughs> three years, which is just mind-boggling. Um, they've started to move beyond just cannabis extraction equipment, which is something that uh, they've been saying for uh, certainly a few months now that they were looking at doing, and it seems to be paying off for them. Uh, they're starting to pro- provide extraction equipment into industries uh, like the pharmaceutical industry, into food and beverage, and essential oils. So they are one to watch. And you know, I took a I took a look through this 400 company long list, and uh, through my one cursory, cursory look, I didn't see any other cannabis companies. In there, I'm not saying there aren't any, but I didn't see any jump out at me. There's certainly none in the top ten, and uh, it's great to see a company like this representing you know, on a not just a Canadian scale, but a global scale. These machines are all over the world. Well, and the I, I think the really exciting part about this is being number three. And they're not even five years old. I mean, like this is just the very beginning of what this company could do. And as you mentioned, starting to expand. So, you know, rapid growth uh, before your fifth birthday of a company is, uh, and that type of growth that you explained is is kind of unheard of. It's amazing. The number one company on that list was growing at over 13,000%. But I mean, that was astronomical compared to other ones. Um, there were only a few companies who were even circling anywhere near 8,000%. And I, I, it's, it's amazing to see the jobs that they've been bringing to um, the community have been fantastic. And, uh, you know, we, we're rude for companies that are doing things that are on the cutting edge of technological innovation. And these guys certainly are. 
Yeah, and indeed for sure. Uh, I got to visit my first grow facility this week, uh, Atlas Growers, here just outside of Edmonton, and we plan to have Jim Hole on the program in the very new future. And um, you know, when when you actually get to see what happens, it, it's so amazing. And and you're right, we, we're rooting for some of these really cool companies to have success. And uh, you know, I certainly like the product. Uh, that that uh, you know atlas and natural history is is producing and you know when you're talking about growing and harvesting one of the biggest uh, not just in canada but in the world is in your backyard i'm feeling like a bit of a local cheerleader here because we are talking about companies out of the okanagan this week but because they're doing things on such a large scale speakeasy cannabis in rock creek down highway 33 from where i am they are going, they're in the middle of harvesting what they say is the largest cannabis harvest, not just in Canadian history, but in the history of the world. They've got 60 acres of plants. They're all five to seven feet tall, stinky, and individually potted, and they are harvesting them now. It's taken them about four weeks to do it. And this is a company that's started up by farmers. I know we've talked a lot in the past about some of the pitfalls and challenges in the cannabis industry where we've seen uh, massive corporations. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with big corporations growing cannabis. Uh, I also love to see the success of family businesses and smaller businesses. I mean, that's the heartbeat of the country in a lot of ways. And the Gein family in the Okanagan has been farming for five generations. And Mark Gein is the founder of this company. And his family is actually one of the founding families of a a brand that you might know, might be surprised to know it comes from the Okanagan, but Sunripe. If you've ever bought Hmm. fruit bars in the grocery store, chances are you've seen Sunripe fruit bars. And that company uh, was founded in part by these folks now that are growing just cannabis outdoors on a massive scale. The Boundary Region, right on the U.S. border here in B.C., is a perfect location to be growing cannabis. It's got great growing conditions. And this year, they're saying that they have a bumper crop. So it's going to be sold as flour, as pre-rolls, and uh, also used in extract products. Uh, With the cannabis plant is amazing. You can use really every part of the plant. And that's exactly what what these farmers, because that's what they are, plan to do, is they want to use the the stems and they want to use, uh, you know, the branches. It's all able to be ground up and uh, turned into extract. So they've got, uh, they could be expanding in the future too. I mean, we're talking about a farm here, 60 acres is what they planted, but they actually own 290 acres of prime land in Rock Creek. And uh, they also have a 10,000 square foot indoor facility. So expect to see big things from these guys. I I can't wait to to try something that comes from this outdoor grill. Yeah, you you were mentioning that um, they were putting some of this flour into pre-rolls and extract and and in that uh, that 10,000 square foot facility, it's small batch, high quality craft cannabis. So so they're kind of getting the best of both worlds. And I think that that small batch craft cannabis is going to be a part of this industry that is really going to shoot up in the next little while and increase across the country. We're seeing micro cultivation licenses uh, all over the place. And it's awesome to see the expansion of the cannabis industry into smaller companies. 
Uh, exactly. Uh, and I love the name Speakeasy as well. Um, okay, th- this final story uh, is about, um, you know, south of the border and what is going on with cannabis and, and the potential legalization. Uh, I don't even want to go near that debate uh, because uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know really what to say. But I will say this is good news for those in the cannabis industry uh, in the south of the border uh, when it comes to COVID relief. It is. And, and, you know, we we've all heard a million things about the debate by now. The only thing that I'll point out is that there wasn't a mention of cannabis in the debate. And that, for me, was disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know, but as far as credit is concerned, I've leaned on my credit card. I'm sure all kinds of people listening have leaned on their credit cards. But when times are tough, access to credit and to banking is key. That's no different for businesses. And the Democrats' latest COVID-19 relief package in the U.S. House includes banking provisions for legal cannabis businesses. Now, now right now, Almost no cannabis business in the U.S. can legally use a bank to process credit cards, to open a bank account, um, to take business deductions on federal taxes. And that means that in this massive multi-billion dollar industry, it has to rely on a cash-only basis, which is almost unbelievable. Now, this package proposed by the U.S. House leadership would actually let licensed cannabis um, companies partner with banks and other financial institutions. Normal, the group, which has really been taking a a lead on this issue and many others in trying to make cannabis uh, become included and normalized in the U.S., uh, says that the inclusion of the State Banking Act in this COVID-19 package is a positive development. Now, basically, the majority of states that regulate the cannabis marketplace, those businesses have been deemed a during the pandemic. So it's key that they find the financial support that they need to ensure that this essential service uh, is able to be provided to not only recreational consumers, but we always have to think about the, the medical patients across the world, in the U.S. in this case, who are requiring of their medicine. So we don't want to do things that handcuff companies in order to provide the medicine that they need. And something that I've heard again and again from from medicinal patients' cannabis is that they get a reliant on a certain company who can provide exactly the, the strain mm-hmm. and exactly the type of ratios, exactly the kind of terpenes that they need in order to treat their specific condition. And then that company... Due to certain reasons, in some cases, absolutely, the lack of access to credit goes under or can't can't provide a supply of that strain, and they have to go and find another one that is similar. And this can happen three, four, five, six times. So it's important that we create stability. And that's what this kind of a bill can do, is create stability in an industry where it is much needed. It is so true, and it is also, I think, one step closer to you know normalization and and making the cannabis industry uh, on the level playing field as as everybody else. Uh, because you're right, uh, a lot of those times uh, these companies go under because they can't get this necessary funding. This allows the uh, the you know this allows 
uh, a helping hand for those who might need it to keep going and, and you know, until maybe things uh, legalize normally. But I, I think, that, or legalize rather, and we normalize it. And I think this is a step towards mm-hmm. that uh, where you're you're basically saying, yes, we recognize you in the cannabis industry. I'm so thankful to be in Canada. Uh, I was thinking that last night during the debate, and I think it every time I come across a story about cannabis in the U.S., we are so fortunate to be here in such a progressive country. Yeah, 100%. David, thank you as always for joining me. Enjoy the uh, the colors of the fall as we continue, although it's been gorgeous here. Uh, so hopefully we get some uh, more beautiful temperatures and uh, the colors last for a little longer. Thanks for joining me, man. Take care, my friend. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. The Cannabis and Hemp Expo uh, was supposed to happen a couple of times. Uh, originally last April, then it was rescheduled to October. But obviously we know that a lot of things have been postponed. So now we're looking at late April 2021, still at the Edmonton Expo Center. We'll still be there. We'll be on location. We'll be broadcasting some shows, maybe some live streams, uh, meeting uh, some of our listeners. I'd love to have a chance to do that. You can get more information at CannabisHempExpo.com and we'll have some tickets to give away as we get closer to the date. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. (laughs) And beyond. Be careful with that, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> this week on uh, Cannabis Characters, I'm going with Sir Smoke a Lot. Uh, from it's played by Dave Chappelle. Uh, this is from Half Baked, uh, and Half Baked has come up quite a bit on this show with guests as uh, being their uh, favorite movie or characters and things like that. So I figured we'd pay tribute to Dave Chappelle a little bit. Uh, He plays uh, this weed-loving rapper, uh, and Dave Chappelle already plays the star character uh, in this movie. Uh, But this character, Sir Smoke-A-Lot, has a song and a video called Samson Gets Me Lifted. Samson is his dealer, and Chappelle and his buddies also use the same dealer, and uh, hijinks and hilarious things happen throughout the movie. So here's a little portion of uh, Sir Smoke-A-Lot's song, Samson Gets Me Lifted. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. Climbing to the moon like that bitch Alice Kramer. Because it's hard being black and gifted. Sometimes I just want to throw it all down and get left. Everybody knows in my neighborhood. It's the best test around. Samson shit is blessed. Got the whole town on lockdown. Life is hard. I pick up that car with the smiley face. Call him over to my place. There you go. Chappelle is awesome. Samson. So, listen, half-baked, easily in the top five, I think, for me. 
uh, when it comes to weed movies. Maybe top three. Up in Smoke is number one. Lebowski's got to be in there. Pineapple Express. So it's right up there. Uh, and uh, there's so many great characters in this movie as well. Like Sir Smoke a lot, played by Dave Chappelle from Half Baked. And that is our cannabis character today. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. It's a big episode of What's That Strain as we are on uh, number 66 for the Cannabis 101 podcast. And when you have that special of a number, you need something magnificent. And I bring in Chris Ionson, our educator and the manager of the Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave location. And, uh, you know, when you you talk magnificent, I think this uh, chocolate that we're talking about today, I think that uh, fits the bill. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Dean. Uh, real good, man. Thanks for having me today, man. Not a problem. Uh, okay, so Chocolope is a, is a sativa that I use the click and collect method to come down and grab from the Jasper Ave location. It's great for me, limits the contact uh, that I have, that the bud tenders have, and it's really good for you guys as well. Yeah, totally. Allows us to get your order ready. Um, and we're just trying to limit, you know, as much as little time to be spent in stores as possible with what's going on in the world right now. Uh, and it also allows you to shop the menu from home. So if there's something you're after yes. in particular, you can make sure we got it. Yeah, check leafly.ca uh, and then find your favorite Nova shop and click and collect. So Chocolope is, you know, almost a pure sativa. And, and that's really rare. They're, they're, I don't know if there is an actual pure sativa anymore with the, uh, the amount of crossbreeding, but this is almost as close as you can get. Yeah, it's pretty pretty close. It's, uh, you know, 95% sativa, yeah. 5% indica. So, yeah, we're uh, damn near 100. So. Yeah, no kidding. So this is definitely uh, the one uh, for for the people that say, oh, this cannabis, just I just get so sleepy all the time. Well, <laughs> this is definitely one. And, and we should say everybody reacts differently, but for the most part, this is one that should provide um, a little bit of a boost, I think, and, and should not put you to sleep. But again, everybody is a little bit different. So let's talk about Whistler Cannabis, founded in 2013. Tell us about them. Yeah, um, Whistler Cannabis, uh, um, founded in 20, 2013, like you said. Uh, their CEO and founder was uh, Christopher Pels, and um, and he kind of started this company. Uh, you know, uh, he was the bra- the brainchild of it, and uh, they were one of Canada's original ten licensed producers. I believe they were number nine, and they were actually the first to receive organic certification. And the organic certification they received was the FVOPA, and that's the Fraser Valley Organic Producers Association. And I think we've talked about them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our good buds over at Good Buds, uh, they've also got the FVOPA certification. So uh, real nice to see some organic cannabis in the markets, and they received this certification in, in 2014. And Whistler is also, they fall under the Aurora Cannabis umbrella. So one of the big, big players uh, here in the Canadian uh, recreational cannabis market. Uh, Aurora was founded in 2006, so they've been around for quite a while. And they were founded by uh, Terry Booth, Steve Dobler, Dale Lassac, and Chris Mayerson. And uh, they started out, you know, with, you know, just one facility and the company just grew and grew. And they real had, had a big focus on the medical side of things. Uh, and then once legalization hit... Um, they hit the ground running, getting into the rec market 
and uh, yeah, just been a really big player. So them acquiring Whistler was uh, was a big acquisition for him because it you know differentiated the what they could offer uh, mm-hmm. by including this premium organic uh, brand in there, and uh, it also kind of re- reinforced uh, Aurora's presence in, in the BC market there with the you know that West Coast craft cannabis yeah which is um you know was uh, a huge market and it's just growing more and more right and it's uh you know in in the um cannabis sector it's kind of coveted and and people hear about it that maybe don't know a lot about uh, cannabis but they hear about west coast bud right so people yeah. want to certainly get their foothold so let's talk about whistler um you know i'm i'm, I'm guessing i know what part of uh, the country they are by the name <laughs> so tell us specifically where they are and how they grow yeah, for sure, Dean. So, um, yeah, Whistler operates. They have they have two indoor licensed production facilities. Uh, the first one, since they had you know off, right off the start, that one's in Whistler, BC, like you, like you guessed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one uh, is just recently uh, launched here. It's a purpose built facility uh, located a twenty minute drive from the Whistler facility, and it's in Pemberton, uh, BC. And that that facility just reached its full capacity. So uh, they've got two facilities just kicking it uh wow. going going full steam there and uh yeah they're looking to uh to produce about five thousand kilograms per year uh with the expandable option to to produce 15,000 or more uh with some expansions at the pemberton site that's pretty impressive and 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 like you said before um they certainly had a really strong reputation on the medical side before they even branched into the to the rec side yeah, they did. Uh, I remember before, um, you know, Whistler, Whistler wasn't in the rec market here in Alberta right off legalization. It was a few months into mm-hmm. it. I remember hearing about them, though, hearing about the quality from uh, reps in the industry and, you know, some serious uh, cannabis consumers that uh, there was, a, you know, a buzz with the Whistler stuff. So uh, as soon as we heard that they were coming to the rec market, it, you know, it was super exciting to see. Uh, everything that I've had from them in my professional career has been fire it's mm-hmm. been well done well trimmed everything's hand hand trimmed and um the terps are there too you know every time you crack the seal on on their their eights it uh you know the room just fills with that smell so uh big fan of the whistler stuff so how do they do it so how they do it um they do it they grow in living soil um uh, which is uh you know it's a way to grow without chemicals um they're uh, they're fed pollutant free glacial water and uh, everything to do with their plants is, is done by hand from start to finish. Um, and that includes their, their hand-rolled joints. So uh, I've, I've bought in quite a few of their, their two packs of, uh, of pre-rolls there. And, and when you pop it out of the container, you know, there's a little sticker that'll say, hand-rolled by Steve. And I just think that's so cool that, you know, Steve's got a, you know, a roll of those stickers that he's just putting on. You know, that's a, that's a day's that. work. I love that. Hand-rolled by Steve. Uh, okay, so Chocolope, um, when we when we look at this strain and the, the lineage, um, this, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but this strain has really uh, far-reaching tentacles and in, in, in with a whole lot of other cannabis strains. So let's talk about the lineage with Chocolope. Yeah, Dean, so the lineage with Chocolope, um, it's uh, an original chocolate tie, and that was the mother plant, and uh, and it was crossed with a cantaloupe haze, and that was the, the father. <laughs> and so those are two really cool kind of flavorful uh, strains of cannabis. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was created from 
cannabis legends, uh, my cannabis heroes, uh, Don and Aaron from DNA Genetics. Uh, in Amsterdam, they created Chocolope. Um, these guys are the real deal. They invented Sour Kush, LA Confidential, Lemon Skunk, Tangy, Chocolate Fondue, and, and so many more. Uh, truly legends when it comes to their mm -hmm. cannabis. Um, yeah, and they started out as kind of a, they were a seed bank originally, and then uh, Canopy Growth acquired them uh, into, uh, and now they, they sell their bud there too. So it's uh, totally legends, legendary guys there. Um, the Chocolope is kind of interesting though, Dean. It's got uh, 50 direct, over 50 direct descendants, like uh, White Choco, which is White Russian crossed with Chocolope, and Choco, Do Choco Dog, which is Chem Dog and Chocolope. There's a lot of those chocolatey strains that are out there that's, mm -hmm. that have Chocolope in there too. So uh, it's just a strain that's kind of been put up, put out to the world. Nice. And it's one of a lot of awards as well. It has. Oh yeah. Geez. Um, you know, 2007, the high time strain of the year, um, in 2013, first place at the high life cup. Uh, there's, there's a, an array of awards. There's 13 awards from 2007 to 2018 that I, that I tracked down. And that includes like the Spanibus cup, the karma cup, the Santa Cruz cup, uh, very, very highly awarded, uh, cultivar of cannabis. Uh, very sought after as well. So let's talk about the name. What, where does Chocolope come from? So I think, yeah, Chocolope, it's definitely a shout out to the genetics. Uh, we got Chocolate Tie and Cantaloupe Haze, so Choco and Lope. Mm -hmm. um, the strain was originally named D-Line, though, um, and they called it D-Line because the test plant was labeled with the letter D, and... Uh, it's pretty boring. <laughs> it drew no interest. And, and uh, Don and Aaron's good buddy, John, uh, he told them that uh, the name sucked. <laughs> and so they renamed it Chocolope and the sales took off. There was a buzz surrounding it. And so it kind of goes to show sometimes all it takes is a, is a catchy name because I don't think we'd be, you know, talking about it if it was D-Line. Yeah, well, who would ever known what a Chocolope was, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, uh, it, it does make you think, uh, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's discuss the look, and we always start with the packaging on this one. Yeah, so with the packaging, Dean, it's uh, this three point five, and it comes in a in a big old green box. Uh, it's a little too big for for how I like to see my packaging. Uh, and inside the box, we've got kind of a, a clear kind of uh, plastic container with a, with a seal over top of it. Um, it does come with a Vita pack in it, which is mm -hmm. nice. Um, but the inner package is not resealable. So, um, also not the biggest fan of that. Every time I do buy a, a Whistler 3.5, I always end up just putting it into a, a different jar. Yeah. Like um, if you're going somewhere, you got to bring a jar with you. Like if you were going to a barbecue and you picked up some of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you, you know, gotta you're just going to find gonna, some way to store it. Leave it at the, you know, some air is going to get in. It's just not going to be ideal. Yeah. Right. Or so, you could lose it. Right. Yeah. I would prefer to see some type of resealable package though. You know, I, I bought this 3.5. I'm not going to put it all into one big joint here, you know, which uh, would be awesome, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's too bad. Uh, so smaller packaging and a little bit more convenient, but also good that they have the Bovita pack. Uh, yeah. So so that is uh, one of the pluses. Now, when you do get it open, man, uh, it's impressive. Yeah, holy crap. Yeah, uh, really nice trim job on this stuff. Uh, uh, the, the, the eighth you got there, um, yeah, that, that one bud looked like it's over two grams. Uh, it's just, Giant, huge, just man. a huge bud. Um, really nice kind of color scheme to it. It's two shades of green. We got a light green and a dark green. Uh, and those buds are covered in bright red pistols. Uh, it really stands out. 
And excellent trichome coverage under the magnifying glass. It was cakey and spiny with trikes. Uh, looked really nice. That it really was. It was uh, when you when you get a little bit of light on this, especially a bud that big, and and it was in great condition. I mean, I like I took a little bit of the bottom off, and it was still spongy and nerfy kind of a mm-hmm. feel. And man, it was it was well taken care of. Uh, that's for sure. What do you smell? We we got Nosy McGee here, uh, my wife Trish, to smell this for us as well. Uh, what did you smell? So for me, I got uh, I got definitely woodsy right off the right off the start. It was a uh, like woodsy mixed with like a kind of a, a tropical fruit, um, uh, almost like peach or mango, mm-hmm. um, and and bursts of sweetness. And I, I found the smell really tickles the nose. Well, woodsy is what she got too. We didn't tell her anything. Woodsy and kind of uh, uh, fruity peachy is is kind of a thing she got. I got some citrus. Uh, I, I don't know if it was lemon, but it was definitely some sweetness and some citrus that, that I got when I uh, stuck my, but it is strong though. Like it is like instant yeah. like in, and, but like a good strong. Yeah. Yeah. So it does definitely get, uh, it does definitely uh, hit you right away uh, when you uh, smell it. Uh, terpene list. What are we looking at for this? Yeah, so the terpene list, our, our dominant terpene is uh, terpinaline, and that's one we don't talk about as much. Uh, it's the the multidimensional terpene. It's it's got kind of an array of uh, of, of aromas to it. Uh, it's piney. It's floral. Uh, it's citrusy. It's herbaceous. It's kind of I guess it, it would depend on the other terpenes that you know sure. with w- what the final result is going to be, but. Uh, and also kind of uh, relates to freshness too. It has a that, that fresh smell. Well, that's what that's what this cannabis smells like. You know, we've had cannabis before that smell. And we've said it smells healthy, right? Like I yeah. think that's a word we used last week. So, and you know, terpinaline is like the. It's like you can play on your fourth line, can play on your first line, whatever you need from terpinaline, it's going to give you. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's that's the, perfect. It's the it's the multi talented veteran terp- terpene out there what else do we have in the profile uh we've got uh libanine in there as well okay. and so that's that uh kind of citrusy fruity smell and aroma definitely uh, smelled that when i, when right? I put my yeah. nose in there uh and then uh, uh the third one is uh, is mercine and that's mm-hmm. that kind of earthy uh flavor to it too okay we've changed it to your experience because everybody is different what did you experience when you had some chocolate from whistler uh, my experience, Dean, was a very clear-headed euphoric high. Uh, lots of buzzy head effects, lots of smiling, uh, all kinds of mental goofiness kind of came from it. Uh, uh, I did find it was pretty good to be productive. Uh, you know, I, I cleaned my kitchen, uh, <laughs> did some chores, you know, it, it put me in a real super good mood, though. Like I said, just mm-hmm. all kinds of smiles. Uh, it's really nice strain, too, for, um, for being outdoors, um, getting some sun. And I do find it to be, even though it's like a uplifting, uh, it's still a, a relaxing high too, though. It's not, uh, not too much going on, which I really enjoy. So it's not like a jolt of coffee, which, you know, there's some strains out there, some sativas that can feel like you're having a cup of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right? Um, but yeah, it's, um, definitely like it, it is uplifting, uh, and it's like a light floaty high yeah. too, uh, with a real gentle burnout too. I thought that was really nice about it was the, the come down from it was really nice. Well, and I think it's also really important to, to kind of emphasize the point that, uh, it's a productive strain. I mean, you know, cannabis gets that reputation of, uh, if you smoke this, you're going to be on your couch drooling like a fool giggling and falling asleep. 
yeah. when cannabis is 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 many different things for many different people, and one of those things can be productivity. So you know, we're not I'm not uh, advising people to operate forklifts or machinery after using this, but getting your housework done, maybe it has a little bit of fun. You throw some uh, headphones on, listen to some music, clean your house. You don't even notice that you're done. Yeah. So this is a productive, and not just housework, anything, yard work, you know, whatever, getting, mm-hmm. being productive. Uh, I would not ever recommend uh, driving or operating uh, heavy machinery at all when using cannabis, but you can still be productive. And that was the uh, the old uh, supernova in the background as <laughs> I got it uh, reared up with some chocolate, the volcano hybrid that I picked up using Click and Collect at uh, Nova Cannabis. It's a cloudy bag, eh? Cloudy yeah, with a chance of getting thick. high in here, man. Jeez, yeah, like, yeah. Look, look, I can't see you no. anymore, man. I'm putting this in front of me, and I... Where did you go, Chris? So it's pretty awesome. Uh, thanks to uh, Jesse Lavoie, uh, who uh, works with the Stores and Bickle, for giving us the tip how to get your uh, bags a whole lot cloudier on the volcano. So let's get to the three W's. Who, what, and when is this good for? Yeah, Dean. So who it's good for? Uh, definitely good for, you know, intermediate smokers. Uh, not sure that it's the best for you're just getting into cannabis. To, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of head stuff going on. You might get a little bit of anxiety or just not the best strain to get started with. Uh, I think, though, if you were um, maybe a beginner and you're looking to take a next step into the, the intermediate side of things, this would be a good strain for you. Um, what it's good for? Uh, being active outdoors, uh, it's an excellent social strain for, for hanging out with pals, socially distant, of course. Uh, I, I thought it was good for funny movies, starting your day off right as well. Um, and then Dean, when it's good for, uh, wake and bake, uh, first thing, start your day. It's, it's great for that. Um, I will say though, don't smoke the stuff. Uh, I, I had some at about like 11 p.m. That's uh, right. One yeah. evening, and I just my my mind was racing a bit, and I ended up not falling asleep. For so a while. substitute this for your coffee in the morning, and uh, you know, if you want to kick, but but uh, don't be using this maybe past nine o'clock. Yeah, that's right, Dean. You know, for sure. And unless you are just off work at nine o'clock, I don't know. It's if if you're trying to go to sleep. Use this well before, right? Because yeah. you, you know you might get a lot of those thoughts that uh, we call them bingo balls in our family that uh, <laughs> tend to kind of keep you up. All right, the taste test. You have the word smooth written down. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when I took <laughs> the hit off of this bag. It's it is. It's so nice. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's really well done. This cannabis, uh, super smooth. For me, the uh, the taste I got was was woodsy and earthy uh, right off the start. Um, Slight sweetness and and bitterness. Yeah, and I just I, just got that. Just yeah, like, but not 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 like uh like cringing my face bitter though. No, like just bit, different. Bit, yeah, bitterness in a good way. Yeah, I I think um, it just offsets the sweetness a little bit, right? You get a little bit of both. Yeah, and I, I I'm not sure that I I got like I I looked up some reviews on Chocolope. I I I didn't get the like chocolatey delight, you know, that a lot of reviews had kind of mentioned. Um, but I still think that it's sweet, but it just didn't quite remind me fully of chocolate. Maybe it's maybe it's just me. I get it a little bit. Yeah, you got yeah, it there. I, I, good. Not, but it's not overpowering, right? Yeah. Like it's not. Like I, I can kind of feel a, or taste a little bit of it, but um, the the thing I get, I find that stands out is the sweetness, bitterness, uh, the the like the uh, conflict of the, between the two of them. Right? They're so different that you you're getting them, and it's like, wow, that is really interesting yeah Yeah, it's a really nice tasting strain this is a a staff favorite at at my store uh 
My, my staff, is, they're, they're big fans of chocolate. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it uh, right now as well. Uh, man, that's uh, beautiful. And and it's so good, you know, the flavors when you're you're vaping with something like this are just full throttle. So it's yeah. absolutely awesome. So this has been Chocolope, which is a uh, almost a pure sativa from Whistler Cannabis. Use the click and collect method. Grab some of it yourself at your nearest Nova Cannabis. Just go on leafly.ca. Um, also... People should be looking for these Dosis pens, which are going to be going on sale with you guys October 1st. Yeah, that's right, Dean. Um, yeah, we've got a promotion running with, uh, with Dosis. Uh, what is Dosis, you ask? It's, uh, they're a really neat uh, uh, kind of a vape product. Uh, they, they, they come out of uh, Los Angeles. They were created in 2016. And what they have is it's a pre- precise dose-controlled technology where they have uh, uh, disposable pens, that uh, it's a targeted formula of THC and CBD, like it's a ratio. And they've got five different kind of categories. They've got a bliss, a rest, a calm, a soothe, and a rouse, mm. my personal fave. And um, wh- how it works is with these pens, uh, each pull that you get, you get a precise dose of 2.5 milligrams. Uh, each inhalation can be it's three seconds, and then the machine will vibrate and shut off. Mm. So you're not taking super, super big hauls. And the idea is so you can say, I know what two pulls gets me. I know what four gets me. That's I, great. I know six gets me to my, you know, I want to shut the That's lights off. That's my jam, yeah. Yeah, so um, real, real. Seven, and I'm putting the music on, <laughs> yeah. risky business dancing, you know, yeah. like that. That's a really great way. And, and journaling that, too, would be great, right? Yeah. You, you write that down so you know. Yeah, and I think too it's great because everyone is different too. Everyone's yep. got you know different right. thresholds and tolerances for THC and CBD. Um, and so yeah, they've got they had disposable pens here in Canada for a bit. Uh, we're just we just received uh, two weeks ago. We got rechargeable pens now, and there's pods that you can actually pop into them. Oh, good. And uh, yeah, they're a really big deal in in California and Colorado right now. So I'm thinking it's going to catch on here in Canada, and you know, uh, so worth checking out. Uh, so yeah, definitely you know come by and uh, and check out Anova. We can explain and show you uh, mm-hmm. the dose pens. Cool. So that starts October first, uh, and uh, if you're uh, looking for any of that stuff, use click and collect Leafly. Uh, .ca. This has been a lot of fun. Chocolope, a pure sativa. If you are looking for that pure, as close sativa as you can find, get this from Whistler Cannabis. It is absolutely uh, delicious. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. is the business of cannabis a joint venture between the green generation co and the cannabis 101 podcast bringing you the latest bud biz buzz Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. joins us as usual for the business of cannabis. You can find them online at greengencompany.com and find out how Melka can help you. How are you today, Malka? Great, Dean. How are you? I am excellent. It is a beautiful fall weather that we're having, uh, at least in northern Alberta. I hope the same thing yeah, in northern Alberta. It feels an Indian summer. I think that's what it's called. And all due respect, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is awesome. Uh, all right, let's get started. And uh, uh, the the analogy we're starting with that you're go- you're throwing out is that 
Would you learn to drive a car from a car salesman? Why are people expected to learn about cannabis from a retail store? I'm not sure I get the analogy, but maybe you can explain it to me. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, you know, we're in this era where cannabis is legal recreationally in Canada. We're still the only country in the world that has done that. And there's a lot of sort of questions as to, you know, is the way that Canada has done it right? Yes or no? We don't know yet. And yet to be determined. And and really what this is about is really about the foundations of, like, how do you build a new industry of any kind? And, and I personally don't think that having to buy something is necessarily the answer. And that's really come from my tour of duty, uh, talking to so many different people on many sides of the, like, ending the stigma argument. Um, so what this is about is, you know, I'm not knocking the retail um, environment and the, the mil- like the really millions of dollars and the people that have really spearheaded, you know, putting cannabis on a shelf in a store and trying to become bed tenders or canisters or educators or can advisors or insert the other euphemism for selling you cannabis here. Um, but what I've come to understand is that, you know, not all people necessarily want to, to consume cannabis. They want to learn about it. They want to understand it. But their first steps really are not going to be into a store. Also, the access to stores. Now, we know in Alberta, that's not a problem because there's one on every corner. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in many other places, that's not true, um, even in where the larger markets of people are. So the education as a foundation for, you know, starting of a new industry is my dilemma here. And that's what I'm bringing, bringing attention to is that I believe it's sort of an inherent flaw in, in the in legalization, sort of kind of the concept of putting the cart before the horse. So like, for example, with the analogy of, of driving a car, you know, typically people that learn to drive a car in their later teens learn from someone of someone of a mentor or someone that has a bit more experience than them, maybe a parent, a relative. I don't know. My uncle is the one that taught me how to drive standard and I never figured it out, but at least I learned something in the process. And then I learned, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, learn an automatic vehicle. And, but so basically what I'm saying, you don't necessarily start with where you buy the, the element to learn mm. how what it is, how it works, and and all of the things that you need to learn from an experience perspective before you become a user of it. That's why you use the analogy with car and car salesmen. Um, again, not a knock on car salesmen either. My husband and his entire family are in the used car sales business. But mm. it's really about the education piece and and becoming um, an expert or even just to you know have a basic understanding. A foundation of education. I mean, in in our country, um, you know, education is a fundamental right. It's something that is highly protected under our, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, a basic education is required that everyone takes, you know, from kindergarten to grade 12. It's free. It's protected by our government. It's a major part of our, our fundamental rights uh, to be able to have, uh, you know, practice in democracy and government. Um, like just to participate as well as in our our economy you need to have a basic understanding of a lot of things to um, partake and I think cannabis is kind of like that there's it's crosses so many different areas beyond just using it and if you really want people to understand it 
I think the options should be greater than just having to go to a store and to be faced with a buying decision in order to make that decision or to understand the education of on cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I, I, you know, I will say, and, and I know you, you did say it, the education you can get in a store is awesome. And there are a lot of places that just offer education sessions where you don't actually, uh, you know, you're just going to learn, but I will agree with you on the basic principle that, the education for just anybody out there isn't that forthcoming. Like I, like I would argue maybe the uh, Health Canada or the Canadian government should have spent less time on uh, producing videos where the guy forgets that he wants to order fries in the drive through <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and every other piece of uh, education that you see is warning you about cannabis instead of educating people on cannabis so i do agree uh as a whole like instead of running those commercials run an ad that says here's where you can find some more information right Uh, you know if you don't want kids to see these plants and buds or whatever it is let's offer education yes let's offer a warning do not drive and and this and and cannabis you know can be harmful in certain situations where you're operating machinery or things like that we have to get that message out there that should be self-explanatory i would think in our in our time of this of our lifetimes but maybe it's not but there needs to be way more from the government when it comes to education rather than just warning signs all the time exactly and just the incentives of the government to create more of a place for education so you like you said it bang on you know this industry was built on the backs of you know potentially millions of people that were using cannabis as medicine right medical cannabis Mm -hmm. and medicinal cannabis has been around legally way longer than it has been recreationally and these are some of the biggest are you know people against the concept of retail store and and rec cannabis. Medical users don't think of it as something you should just walk into a store and just buy. Like you think they have taken the steps extremely sometimes to a detriment of their own personal um, liability and their own personal safety to learn about the plant from it literally from growing it and growing it themselves and figuring out a way to stay healthy with the you know um the use of cannabis as you say uh on your own tagline you know that it's all about getting healthy and i believe too it's all about healing the world these are because there's a medical component and just like you know i'm not going to say you have to go to a doctor to get cannabis education that's not necessarily the case but to think about it more like a um something that you just don't have enough foundational information unless you have the understanding of how it interacts with your human body. And that's what I'm really proponent that my proponent here is to think of it more, not as a commoditized marketed or promoted product that you just go the buy the latest trend in store. That's great. And those are, there is a place for that, but I think that has to come after um, the part where you understand how it interacts with your body and how it interacts so drastically different from person to person and not well, yeah. go with the trend of let's just get high. Yeah, and the medical side and the the rec side are, you know, you know, they might as well be opposite countries uh, because yeah. you you know, you're not you're not allowed to, you know, I can't go into a retail store and tell them I have a migraine and get that advice. Like there are really strict strict punishments for that side sort of thing. So it it really is. It's almost like, you know, medical marijuana is is Mars and recreational is Pluto or something because yeah. Uh, the, the the worlds apart. So let's let's continue this conversation in change change makers and talk about 
the education that is out there. Uh, it was something like the Elevated Learning Academy. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm part of the teaching uh, team at the Elevated Learning Academy and help with the develop- development of their curriculum because I thought that it was really holistic. I mean, you now it's being offered fully virtual. And, and I'm, I'm talking about this in the sense that in learning about the curriculum and in learning about other groups that are offering cannabis education at different levels, whether it be post-secondary or continuing education or online courses from there's so many different places. This group is doing it a little bit differently and in a way that I really support. And they're pioneering in Canada education around cannabis and health specialty as a diploma. So this is an accredited program. It's not just a bunch of leaflets or, you know, stuff online that you click through. This is a, 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 a program that has a substantial amount of information in it that would accru- a, a, the user, the pe- person taking the program would have a diploma at the end of it, just like they had a diploma, you know, from any other post-secondary in- institution. So it's an accreditation, which is significantly more, um, not just more content, but a, cr- a content with research-based and professionals creating that content. And, and really what it is, it's a health-focused designation um, for people that want to understand the medicinal benefits, not necessarily for themselves, but to teach their patients or their clients or other people around them what are conditions like insomnia, inflammation, migraines, pain. Uh, anxiety, depression, epilepsy, the list goes on. There are so many different medical conditions and health positivity things where just even preventative um, cannabis has such a huge place in that. But it's not the kind of thing that is going to really make sense at a store level. It's the kind of thing where you need to understand human biology a little bit better and something called bioavailability, which is a complex uh, concept. But it's something that has to really be understood at the foundation before embarking on the buying part. And that's why I think this program is different and such kind of a change in the change maker of the week. Well, and it's something that people might not know where to go because you can't go to a store, unfortunately, and, and ask. But, you know, there might be people interested out there, but uh, maybe they don't know where to find the information or maybe they're scared to, to look for the information because of that stigma. Exactly. And we're really feeling, we're hearing that a lot in the stores. Like, you know, I mean, you've talked to many store retailers. You've got Chris Science on, on every week. You've talked to Green Rock. They all hear the questions in the stores that they can't answer. And they feel like like their hands are tied. They have questions at, being asked of them daily about these topics, about the medical conditions that they think or they've heard cannabis can help with. But as retail store people, you know, they don't have the background in medicine or even in any kind of health sciences that would accredit them the ability to speak about that. And and that's okay. So there are laws around that in Canada where the retailers cannot speak to that just really for the liability part of it. Um, But what's cool about this program is that there's no cannabis consumed part of the, the Elevated Learning Academy's program. And it's virtual. So you can be online and learn with the other people. But it's a it's a research based program and gives foundation for from the medical side, but can be applied in a retail store or within the cannabis industry to have that background to help other people understand, you know, all the different plays that cannabis can be used in in people's lives. 
Yeah, it's uh, education. Uh, it, you know, we've been saying it for a long time. Education is the cornerstone to normalizing and getting rid of that stigma. Uh, and as we move on to what it means to be green, we're talking organic. And, and this is, or, you know, the word organic, whether you're talking about cannabis or you're talking about food, uh, has become a, a real buzzword in the last 20 years. And, you know, it um, organic means different things to different people sometimes, but let's discuss clean, green, certified when it comes to that word organic. Yeah. So I attended a seminar um, recently with the founder of this group, um, Chris Van Hook. He's out of California, very northern parts of California, um, bordering on Oregon. And they developed this program, I think 17 years ago, based on the fact that USDA organic, like that standard symbol that you'd see on like food products and lots of places, they didn't recognize cannabis because obviously it's federally not legal there. And 17 years mm -hmm. ago, it was like no go. The real organic movement didn't recognize that cannabis was a plant that could be grown organically. It was like can't even couldn't even talk to them. So what he did was he started what he called the closest thing to organic that cannabis can get since 2004, um, basically, so that there is essentially a certification program for people that are growing cannabis and are doing it in a way that's sustainable, that's, you know, saving or protecting their environment and protecting their plants from being treated with a lot of fungicides and pesticides and fertilizers that have elements in them that make them un really unfit for human consumption in large amounts. So we all know that agriculture uses these things in practice and it's a recognized, you know, problem, so to speak. But as the, the overcoming of that is the organic uh, growing practices. The thing is that organic growing practices sometimes produce things like, you know, insects and and other um, things because you're really not treating your plants with chemicals to get rid of that. So what they've developed is a program that they've been using for quite a while um, that essentially is that extra layer of, um, you know, seal of approval, so to speak, where not only do you have to apply to do to be part of the program, but it's a it's a paid certification. So what that means is that you have to meet criteria just to have them come out to your farm, essentially. But once they come out to your farm, they're going through this very detailed checklist of how you're growing your products. And literally, they're looking at everything so that you get this seal of approval that has a seal. It literally is a seal that you can put on your products that basically means that someone else has verified that the way that you're doing it is not just self-proclaimed organic. Um, and the USDA organic group doesn't um, agree because they have their own version because it doesn't apply to cannabis. But so this clean green certified program is essentially that stamp of approval equivalent to the USDA organic, but applic specifically applicable for cannabis. It's interesting that, uh, you know, like I understand why it, there's no organic certification in the U.S. Just it's the same reason I can't use my iPhone with my uh, Volcano uh, because Apple doesn't recognize uh, vape uh, technology or cannabis technology because it's not federally legal. So this yeah. is a really good way of, of getting at that. In, in Canada, we are federally legal. Um, what you know, and, and we do see a lot of companies in Canada using that word organic as well. Yeah. So I mean, again, there's the, there's the difference between using the word mm. organic, which is like a self-proclaimed, right. you know, authenticity or pro proclamation, which a lot of people do. But by having a group like this come in and really inspect, they're certifying it 
against a common set of criteria that a lot of other farms and groups that are growing agree to and have the same standards. So it's almost like, yeah, sure, we can say we're organic all day long. That's fantastic. But until a third party comes in and agrees on a lot lot of different details for our fee that this is actually true, um, that's an extra set of level, uh, a level of authenticity and certification that make it basically makes your product above and beyond other ones on the shelf. So it's not you saying it, it's now someone else saying it, and that that's a level that is adhered to by a lot of different organizations. Right. And, and will there be a standard in Canada? Like, we, you know, we, we are federally legal. There are other standards to be an organic food farmer. So should there not be national standards, though, I wonder, in Canada? I, like, I, you know, I would hope that because we're federally legal, they will recognize it. So this group is has already had lots of clients in Canada. So that's what I, we, I was talking to him on a, on a conference call with other BC craft growers. And they have other clients already adhering to this in Canada. The thing is, the whole USDA organic thing, they're sort of the, the brunt of organic certification because of the volume of produce that are things that are made under that label. But um, I don't know of any yet that I haven't heard of, of anyone else trying to be the the certified organic version in Canada. I have heard of other cannabis producers using their own nomenclature to say things like, you know, we're this kind of organic or we're permaculture or whatever. But again, those are all self-proclaimed things. So they're, they're sort of creating their own rubric, not to say that that's wrong. It's just, you sort of got to agree on something, right? There's has to be a level Mm. that everyone's consistent. So this group is available to, to take their certification anywhere. It doesn't have to be within any jurisdiction. The one thing they did point out, which is really interesting, is that regulations around cannabis are very patchworky. We already know that within Canada, yeah. different provinces, and in the U.S. specifically, because it's state by state. So they are recognizing that there are regulatory things that may interact or intervene with certifying uh, of organics, and they're willing to work within that. So what that says to me is that there's there's like a competing level of regulations here. They're not the ones that are going to be the trumping because they have to follow. They have to be within, under what's legal, regulatory legal within your state or your country of origin. But they're willing to work with the regulatory bodies and build a balance of clients so that within that jurisdiction, it, it will work. So that's a, it's a totally uh, gray area, let's say it that way. But mm-hmm. this is the kind of group where they have 17 years of history already in North America, and they're willing to you know, help with the regulations in Canada uh, and work within them. So that's a, a huge, a huge thing, I think. Yeah, I think it's just a really good guideline uh, for companies that want to go down uh, that route, and and hopefully more of them do. Uh, You can find more information at www.cleangreencert.com, and that would be CERT, C-E-R-T. So that's cleangreencert.com. And, of course, you can find Malka at greengencompany.com. Check it out and find out how she can help you. Thanks as always, Melka. Have a great rest of the week. Yeah, thank you. And I just wanted to make a note that anyone that subscribes to my newsletter this week, we're having a workshop approaching uh, 3.0. So Cannabis 101 workshop approaching 3.0. We have uh, coming up next week. So if you subscribe uh, coming up, you'll get a free seat at the workshop. Awesome stuff. Have a great week. Thanks, Dean. Bud, dope, flower. Ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant. 
tie stick salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel O. Jackson, the Hobbit's leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, a little more education for you on weed word of the day. We give you a slang word and a, a standard industry term. Uh, if you are brand new to cannabis, or maybe you're just liking to uh, learn or wanting to learn uh, some new terms. So our slang word today is Bogart. And that's when somebody is hogging the joint, the bong, etc. This is, of course, uh, when you would be sharing uh, joints with somebody, but we're not doing that right now. But. When we get back to being able to share things in cannabis, don't bogart it. It started when somebody would talk with a cigarette still in their mouth, like Humphrey Bogart used to do in a number of his uh, wonderful movies, and then morphed into guys hogging joints. So when somebody says don't bogart that, uh, you know you've been holding on to whatever it is too long. And again, don't be sharing joints, bongs, anything right now. Uh, unless it's obviously with your significant other and somebody you live with. But uh, when when it's not somebody in your household, it's not a good idea to be sharing cannabis. So puff, puff, don't pass. Keep your own, get your own. The standard term I'm going with today is decarboxylate. Uh, we touched on that with Daniel. And uh, just to remind you of what that term is, uh, decarb, as it's said to uh, shorten to a lot, is to use low heat to transform THCA into in the plant into THC. And that brings out the different effects you get from cannabis. Eating cannabis on its own does not provide any psychoactive effects, but if you decarb it, low heat, 30 minutes to an hour sometimes. I don't know the exact temperatures, don't so I'm not going to give one out. Uh, but Daniel talked about the Levo machine, and that's something we're going to be exploring a little bit more here on the show, hopefully, and, and maybe some other machines as well. Uh, if you have any suggestions, definitely reach out with those suggestions. And I hope you enjoyed the show. It's going to wrap things up for it. If you did, uh, please subscribe. Let us know what you think with the review. Big thanks to uh, Daniel Huber from Green Rock Cannabis, a Red Seal chef, for joining me to touch on some cooking. Uh, from time to time, maybe we'll reach out and get him on again and do some other specials. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, big thanks to Atlas Growers uh, for uh, having me and uh, some guys out there. And uh, we look forward to having Jim Hole on a show uh, at a future time to discuss the growing process. David Wiley from the OZ, Chris Ionson, our educator from Nova Cannabis on Jasper Ave on What's That Strain, and Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co., also a big part of the program. Our cannabis question is what is your, what do you think has the, what company do you think has the coolest cannabis paraphernalia? that you've seen out there in stores hit me up on twitter at the cannabis 101 or on facebook and twitter or sorry on uh, twitter at the cannabis 101 instagram and facebook cannabis 101 podcast and you can get a hold of me at any time for any reason by emailing cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com if you think you'd make a great guest or you'd like to join the show as a partner or an advertiser please let me know cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com as we do every show we leave you with marijuana courtesy of the artist my dead dog remember it's not just about getting high it's about getting healthy
in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> 